This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Another chilly weekend. We're in it now. Deep into the winter weather here in northeast Ohio. But bear in mind, spring training not too far away. Less than a month now before our first spring training broadcast. The opener out in Goodyear Saturday afternoon, February the 23rd. The Indians will take on the Reds and we'll have it for you starting at 3 o'clock here on the Indians radio network. So certainly looking forward to that. Coming up later on this week's show, we will begin our look around the American League Central, previewing the teams that the Indians will play the most, and we'll begin with the Minnesota Twins. Corey Provis, their radio voice, will join us, and you don't want to miss that. Corey, one of the, the fun guys in Major League Baseball on the broadcasting front, he will do an imitation of Hammy that is spot on. So stay with us toward the end of our show today. Also coming up on this week's show, we will hear from Greg Allen, Indians outfielder who could be a key player in this year's outfield picture. We will get to know Kevin Plawecki, one of the Indians' new catchers acquired in a trade from the New York Mets earlier in the offseason. And we will also visit with Mike Clevenger, who figures to be one of the key starting pitchers for the Tribe after another breakthrough season a year ago. But we begin with some hard news this week. The Indians announcing late in the week that they have re-signed free agent relief pitcher Oliver Perez, the lefty who had really a, a solid season for the Indians a year ago. 51 appearances. He was unscored upon in 46 of those with a record of 1-1 one and one when it was all said and done. But more importantly, his ERA just 1.39. He only allowed five earned runs in 32 and a third innings of work. 43 strikeouts, only seven walks. So very much a situational lefty a year ago and a big key for last year's team, especially when he was first signed by the ball club, joined the team in early June and stabilized what to that point was a very shaky Indians bullpen, and uh, he got them through some tough times to be sure. So he's now 37 years of age. How about this? He broke into the major leagues back in 2002, and he is still going. He'll pitch this season 
for the Cleveland Indians once again. And Chris Antonetti, Indians president of baseball operations, talked with the Cleveland media yesterday about the signing of Oliver Perez. Yeah, Oliver did such a good job for us in the time that he came up last year. He really helped stabilize our bullpen at a point in time when, you know, we really needed it. And he pitched extraordinarily well for us against both left and right-handed hitters and became a very reliable option for Tito as the season progressed. And we're excited to welcome him back and think he can have a big impact on our on our team again this year. It all out of that was, I mean, if you reflect back to that time uh, last year, it was a point in time in which we had a lot of uncertainty in our bullpen. A handful of guys were injured. A few guys weren't performing to the way we hoped. So we were searching for options. One of those is Oliver. And, you know, we were fortunate to be able to work through things with the Yankees and, and give him an opportunity. And to Oliver's credit, from the day he got here, he made the most of that opportunity. I think he executed his pitches exceedingly well against both left-handed hitters and right-handed hitters. Uh, changed his pitch, pitch mix a little bit, but I think mostly it came down to execution. Well, we certainly think that there are opportunities for Oliver to pitch in leverage innings. Exactly what role that will be in will will depend upon you know the group of guys we break camp with and you know how guys are doing at those respective points in time. I think um, the way the a bullpen will work, especially a bullpen with the type of options that we have and the number of guys we have to work through, um, you know they'll settle into roles as the season progresses. But I would expect Oliver will pitch some meaningful innings for us. We do feel good about the depth we have. Uh, it will be an area where we continue to always seek options that could potentially improve upon that. But we feel with some of the returning players that we had off from last year's bullpen, guys returning from injury, as well as a few players that we acquired uh, through the course of trades or some, some minor signings this offseason, we feel like we've got a good group to choose from heading into spring training. That won't preclude us from looking at other options to, to improve that group, but you know, we do feel good about the group of guys we have. That's Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti. Next up on our show, Mike Clevenger, Indian starting pitcher, back-to-back very strong seasons for the Tribe after that breakthrough year in 2017. When he was a 12-game winner for the Indians, he backed it up with even better numbers a year ago. He made 32 starts, was 13-8, and eight, a solid ERA of 3.02, and very important to him, he had a stated goal in spring training of working 200 innings, and he reached that goal in his last start of the season. 200 innings even for Mike Clevenger, 207 strikeouts along the way. So those are solid numbers for any starting pitcher in the major leagues, and here he was considered to be the fourth best pitcher in the Indian starting rotation. How about that, posting those types of numbers? We caught up with him recently when he was in town for Tribe Fest and asked him about a season ago. And, and really, for Mike Clevenger, gives you a good idea of his mindset heading into any season. Was he pleased with the year individually? Maybe, but he was more disappointed with how the season ended for the team with the playoff loss to Houston. I mean, I'll just... Still pretty bitter about how it all ended, but uh, it wasn't the best ending. But I mean, looking back at what we accomplished and set out to do, there was a—I mean, it was a big moment for me. It was a big moment for you know my family too. Like I mean, Mon and the girl, like everybody that was around me knew what my goal was going into that year. Like even every reporter knew it was 200 innings, 200 strikeouts. That's what I wanted to do. So I mean, looking back and actually said that I got that done, as setting it out to do. I mean, that's why the the vision board stuff is not just you know, BS, like, so when your teachers and everybody does all the vision board stuff, the more you put that idea and really believe, not just have the idea, but believe in your goal and believe in what you're doing, 
I thoroughly think it benefits it and could potentially make it work out by just the belief itself. So there's that mental aspect to it. There's a physical aspect to it as well, the 200 innings. It's hard. Um, how did you come out of that as far as how you felt and, and were ready to get back to things after a certain period of time? No, I mean, I was, that was when I was, the last month of the season was when I was probably throwing my hardest. So, I mean, I kind of wanted to keep rolling, but I knew I had to take a break. But, no, that was actually the exciting part. When picking back up a ball and everything just felt stronger and better and, like, it's moving even better earlier this time than it was last year. And, like, oh, I'm already in this good position. I'm already synced up here. Like, and these things aligning a lot earlier than when I saw them align during the season last year. That's exciting. So a year ago, 200 innings, 200 strikeouts, have you – Put that out there yet as to, to what you want to do this time around, what that goal would be on the vision board? Yeah, I'm trying to get that Kluber 220 because I feel like he's always in the 220s. And that's real, that's extremely hard to do. But yeah, I want to get the, I want to at least be 220 innings this year and then we'll see where the case fall. But once you get the innings part, usually the case will come with it. <laughs> I was going to say, is that the key to do the innings and then everything else kind of falls into place? Yeah, I would definitely say that's, I mean, that's. The hardest part is to stay in the game that long to log those innings. So if you're doing that, you're obviously getting results <laughs> that you need to get. So, yeah, that's that's it. We're here in January, and, and obviously there could still be several changes before the season starts, but it's been an off-season of change for this team. As you've watched that, what are some of your thoughts about what's going on here and, and confidence-wise heading into the season on what's here? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a cool part now that I've actually been here for the past couple of years. The, uh, the past couple of years and actually seeing the process happen when, bef- you know, and like seeing how they fill the holes. So when before you'd see someone leave and you'd be like, oh gosh, what are we going to do now? And then you see who they bring in and you see the other pieces they put together and you're like, oh, so they did know what they were doing. <laughs> like, so then you have that confidence and that trust that like, no, they fill in every hole with, you know, either better or more players or whatever the case may be, but they're filling every hole that they, they lose. So it's comforting to see. Well, some good optimism there from Indian starting pitcher Mike Clevenger. And again, I, I know for fans sometimes as they watched uh, this offseason develop and some of the things that the Indians have had to do to, to get their roster where they would like it for 2019, it may not look like they are moving in a positive direction. But the players, when they talk about the season ahead, they look at it optimistically and feel very good and believe in their abilities. I think that's a big part of it, too. Now, a new piece for the Tribe will be catcher Kevin Flawecki. We will hear from the former New York Mets backstop when we return after this timeout as Tribe Talk continues on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. At Indians Radio is our Twitter address. We try and keep you up to date on things happening on the Indians Radio Network, including this program right here, our weekly show, Tribe Talk. And joining us now, another player that we caught up with at Tribe Fest. A new catcher is in the fold for the Indians, Kevin Ploiecki. Acquired from the Mets in early January in exchange for a couple of minor leaguers to bolster the Indians' catching core. And it certainly appears as if it would be Ploiecki and Roberto Perez handling the catching duties, although I'll bet you Eric Haas will have a big say about that at the start of the season. So we'll see. But we had a chance to visit with the former Purdue product 
and talk to him about the trade that brought him from the New York Mets, the team that drafted and signed him back in 2012 out of Purdue, the only organization he had been in. Was the trade a surprise to him? Well, he says, uh, absolutely. When uh, you're sailing along with an organization and reach the big leagues, it does come as a shock. I mean, it was definitely a surprise, but, uh, you know, surprise turned into excitement really quickly, um, especially when we found out we were coming here and knew it would be a fun opportunity and, and uh, you know, coming to a team that has, you know, a great staff and, and a team that's had a lot of success over the past few years was, was really exciting. So um, happy to happy to be here. And it seems like you're you're starting to make some good inroads at the major league level the, the past couple of seasons. Uh, what are some areas of your game that you feel have come along and could translate here with the Indians? Yeah, I've been working at every aspect, um, offensively, defensively. Um, defensively, just working on you know getting a proper position to throw, um, guys stealing stuff like that. Just working on arm strength this off season actually. Um, so it's. It's been good. I mean, uh, continue to work and, and get better defensively and offensively. Just, uh, you know, the biggest thing for me in the past is swinging at balls. So swinging at strikes, having a good idea of the strike zone and, and um, you know, putting an A swing on it and, and letting the rest take care of itself. Indians have one of the, the better catching instructors in baseball in Sandy Alomar Jr. Have, have you thought along those lines yet of what you may do when working with him or what he could bring to your game, especially defensively? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm really excited to be you know here and able to work with him. And uh, you know somebody obviously knows his position extremely well. And uh, you know, I look forward to picking his brain and, and you know just getting better. You know, you surround yourself with, with people that can get you better. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be in a situation where he's uh, going to be able to help me a lot. So look forward to working with him. Such a big part of any catcher's job is working with the staff, the pitching staff. What can you do to, to speed that process up, maybe even before you get to spring training? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll do a lot of uh, – I'm, I'm going to watch a lot of video prior to spring and then um, just to kind of get an idea of what their balls are doing, you know, certain things that, you know, maybe – you can look at get a little bit of head start before I start catching them um, but I feel like just when I get into uh, spring training just getting out there early and um, catching as many bullpens with these guys as I can and in a lot of cases a, a player catcher pitcher whatever that they would know some of their teammates might have some familiarity even with a trade but uh, you were saying no huh no no I don't I, I'm not familiar with anybody but uh it's great new fresh start and uh heard a lot of great things about the organization Jay Bruce reached out to me I know he was over here uh, a year prior and he said he loved it and, and um, so the guys were great and, and uh, so far everything's been awesome it's, it's been awesome so we'll uh, keep going in that direction and, and uh, just have some fun and kind of off topic a little bit, uh, Mickey Calloway had a great years here as the pitching coach and, and was your manager last year. How's he doing over there in New York as a manager in the major leagues? No, yeah, he's good. Uh, Mickey's a great guy, um, you know, somebody who, who understands the players, I feel like, and, and that's ultimately what, it, what it's about, it's just having that relationship with, with the players, and um, he's able to do that. And, uh, you know, obviously wish, wish Mickey all the best, and, um, you know, it, it was good to play for him for for a year, but um, you know I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity over here. Did you uh, know much about Terry Francona at all before the trade, and has he reached out to you yet to just talk about potential opportunities, things like that? Uh, not really opportunities. He did call after the trade and just introduced himself and, and um, said if I need anything, he's there. I haven't met him face-to-face yet. He's kind of in a meeting today, so I look forward to uh, introducing myself. But, um, you know, I... I haven't met him in the past, but you know, everybody said unbelievable things about him. So I, uh, I really look forward to you know to having him as a manager.
And in addition to that, in case you're wondering, you may have heard in the background a pretty good ping pong game going on. It looked like uh, Mike Clevenger was outlasting Greg Allen in that game. In case you were wondering, in the background there, we recorded that in the Indians clubhouse, not far from the ping pong table. That's where Plawecki's locker was. And a pretty good game going on, both those guys, Clevenger and Allen. Not bad at ping pong hey stay with us we'll hear from greg allen when we continue after another time out here on tribe talk the indians outfielder young man who really made a name for himself a season ago especially after his final call up from the minor leagues last month and a half or so was just outstanding for allen and we'll visit with him when we return after this time out on the cleveland clinic indians radio network greg allen trying to send everybody home and the two ball clubs to Hopkins International Airport. The payoff pitch. Swung on, banged in the hole into left. Base hit, game winner. Greg Allen's done it for the second time this year. And the Indians in 11 innings beat the Red Sox in walk-off fashion for the second night in a row. Greg Allen had a tremendous at-bat and ripped a shot in the hole and into left field. And the Indians are victorious by a final score of four to three. And Greg Allen continues to be a key contributor on this ball club. So the Indians win the season series as they take four out of the seven games from the Boston Red Sox winning tonight in 11 innings four to Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Hopefully you're making it through this Northeast Ohio winter, which is on in full now as we have the cold temperatures, a little bit of snow, and uh, everything that you expect this time of year. But we'll be at spring training with our first show coming up the day of our first spring training radio broadcast on February the 23rd. We're heading out there a little bit earlier than that to get ready, but... Um, Hopefully you have a chance to head out there and and take in some spring training out in the Phoenix area. That's where the Indians have been now since 2009 and really settled in out there. And it won't be long now before pitchers and catchers report on the 12th. The position players not far after that. And then it's game on on February the 23rd against the Reds. And potentially starting in center field for the Indians this season or at least seeing a fair amount of playing time in the outfield rotation. Greg Allen, who really broke through nicely a season ago, five different stints in the major leagues, up and back between Cleveland and Columbus. But with the Tribe, he hit two fifty-seven with a pair of home runs, 20 runs driven in, 21 stolen bases, was only caught four times. But that big key for Allen was how he performed the last time he was called up. Uh, at one point, had a 14-game hit streak. 
and in his final stint with the Tribe hit close to 300 from August 9th on in, and his 21 steals were the most by an Indians rookie since Kenny Lofton back in 1992. Lofton stole 66 bases as a rookie that season, but Allen certainly showed good defense in center field, started to swing the bat better, and uh, certainly speed. A big asset for him, and uh, we mentioned the, the five different stints in the major leagues going up and back, and when we caught up with him at uh, Tribe Fest recently, he talked about what he took away from last season, especially with all the moves up and back between AAA and the big leagues. Yeah, I think really just, just learning how to manage those ups and downs, uh, you know, both physically and mentally. Um, as you mentioned, um, you know, was was back and forth throughout the course of the year. Um, and, and really just learning how to just, just to go about that, how to manage your emotions, um, how to manage... Um, how you're approaching the game, uh, you know, when you're in situations like that. So I think for me, more more than anything, uh, really just finding ways just to stay in the moment, take it day by day, um, really be where my feet are. And, and, and again, regardless of, you know, where I may be physically, um, again, just finding ways to consistently help the team win. So. In that last stretch, um, it's probably too simple to say it seemed like something clicked because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it's a cumulative thing over the course of the season. But performance-wise, it really seemed to take off for you. And, and what do you think happened there down the stretch that allowed you to just really maybe play up to your capabilities at this level now? Yeah, I think it was it was, it was really uh, one other thing, probably just the approach. Um, um, you know, in the way that I approach the game as a whole, uh, having, again, you know, those past three, four months to, 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 to kind of gain some experience, have some growth, um, learn how to navigate, you know, you know, the, the good times and the bad times. Um, so, again, that last stretch really uh, was, was, was some of the uh, the most fun I think I'd had throughout the course of the year. Um, just playing the game, having fun, enjoying it. Um, again, just trying to stay in the moment um, and really just contribute anywhere I can. Unfortunately, I had a plethora, a handful of injuries last year that, um, you, you know, uh, that you would never, you know, wish for, you know, hope to happen. Um, so, so there was there was plenty of guys stepping into new roles and, and again just trying to find ways to contribute. So you may have played more baseball than, than you ever had in, in a season. How did you approach the off season, and, and what do you feel like you got done in the off season? Yeah, really, just just just, just trying to again find continual growth and improvement. Um, had a chance to to, to uh, take a week or two just to kind of decompress and you know I'll, I'll allow the body to rest. Um, but then after that, really, you know, just 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 back to work. Um, you know, in the gym, mentally, physically, just working on new ways to improve my game and get better. Um, trying to strengthen up some uh, some weaknesses, and you know, trying, trying, trying to make those strengths even stronger. And when you get to spring training, it's going to be a different team. There's a lot of new faces. A lot of familiar faces are not here anymore. Uh, how do you approach that? And uh, if there were some players who, who really helped you along the way, how do you handle that now that, that they may not be here anymore? Yeah, I, I think you just continue continue to build off it. Um, I think we, we, we still definitely have a, a strong core of guys here. Um, obviously, we've had uh, some additions and some subtractions this past off season, But um, overall, I think, you know, the culture – of this this team this group this organization still remains um and that i think that culture you know supersedes any one individual um it's bigger than you know any one player uh and and it really kind of sets the tone and the standard um for you know for what the guys on this team want this team to be uh so coming coming in spring training i'm sure uh, we'll see some new faces um we'll see some familiar faces but at the end of the day uh you know it's going to come down to you know finding you know those 
those 25 best guys, you know, to uh, you know to help this team win. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, you know, definitely there's a whole lot of anticipation um, to get in the good way. I have a feeling I know the answer, but uh, when you ask players about opportunity and then do you look at who else is, is in, in your case, in the outfield and potential uh, for playing time and things like that, how do you look at that when you head into the season? Really, just any way I can to make myself better. Um, and, and, and that that correlates to the people that are around me. Um, so no matter if, 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 if it's just myself, the new additions, um, or some of the veteran guys, you know, I think we're all pushing each other to get better each and every day. The same will apply in spring training. Um, no matter, you know, the grouping that we have in there, hopefully, you know, we're all pushing each other to get better. Um, and, and, and as a result, you know, we'll have the best, you know, four or five or how many outfitters we carry um, into the season from that. So um, obviously everybody's pushing to be one of those guys. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's definitely a good thing um, having a little competition and, and really guys pushing themselves to try to be the, you know, the best they can be. Greg Allen joining us. Um, just to finish up, I know one of the things you're doing here in Tribe Fest weekend is uh, getting some things together on the mm-hmm. community front. You want to get more involved yes. next season. And, and what are some of the, maybe not specifics that you don't know yet, but what's the impetus behind that? Yeah, really, um, just, again, trying to have a positive uh, a positive impact in, in the community. Um, um, and I think I've been fortunate to be with this organization and around some of the guys who've done such an amazing job uh, the past few years um, of having that positive impact. So uh, really just trying to build off that, just trying to continue that, um, and looking forward to kind of getting that process underway and um, hopefully get things are in store. So. Yeah, that tells you a lot about Greg Allen, one of the good guys in the game, and uh, the Indians happy to have him on their ball club, and he could be a big key to their outfield fortunes once the season begins. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll visit with Corey Provis, the radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, as we begin our previews of Indians Central Division opponents after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Track Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, our final segment on this week's show. And don't forget, if you want to take in the show each week, you can do so right here on the Indians Radio Network, usually late Saturday afternoon. We feed it to the network at 5 o'clock, and it airs uh, either at that time or sometime a short time later, depending on the station that you're tuned to. But you can listen to it whenever you want in podcast form. Just go to Apple iTunes and the Cleveland Indians podcast area, and you can download it right there, and you're all set to go listen to it at your leisure. Well, we begin the first of our team previews of American League Central Division opponents for the Indians this week, and we begin up north in Minnesota, the Minnesota Twins, a team that had high expectations a year ago, and it did not pan out as planned. They really struggled throughout the season, finished below the 500 mark, after being a playoff team the year before, Paul Molitor was relieved of his duties as manager after the season, and Rocco Baldelli was brought in, the youngest manager now in the major leagues. We get the preview from Corey Provis, the radio voice for the Minnesota Twins, and if you think it has been cold here, the Twins had their recent caravan, and uh, Corey fills us in on what's going on in the Minnesota Great Lakes region where it can get really cold this time of year. You know, Rosie, I was out last week, and it was more mild. I was out last week for four days in South Dakota and southwestern Minnesota, and it was okay. And then I had to make a day trip down to, to Cedar Rapids for this uh, banquet, and now we, now it's been reality here. We, we've had a pretty mild winter, 
but now I think things have turned and it's getting really, really cold and it happened really, really fast. There's some snow on the ground. We haven't had too much snow, uh, but now it's, it's a frigid, frigid time of year here in the Twin Cities. All right, give us some insight. The Indians and the Twins open the season at Target Field on March 28th. What's the over-under on temperature that day? I mean, the over-under, I would think, is going to be 42. And, and what are you um, taking? I, I'm, I'm going to take the over. Because Tom, Tommy's going to be complaining, and Tommy's going to be upset, and Tommy's going to have the windows closed. So, in essence, I kind of hope it's really cold, just so I could hear that lovely voice complain for three and a half hours. It would be really nice. What will he, uh, what will he yeah. say to me? How will he address me on, on this particular Rosie, issue? why are we even playing here today, Rosie? Why don't we just go back to San Juan? <laughs> this, Corey Pro is doing his best, Tom Hamilton, as we get started here with our previews of other teams in the Central Division, Indians, rivals. And, uh, Corey, as you're out and about, uh, preaching the gospel of Twins baseball in the the upper Midwest. Uh, Rocco Baldelli, your new manager, uh, what's the early returns on, on what you have there and uh, how exciting has it been so far? You know, it was interesting after last season ended and you look across the baseball landscape at the teams that, that had managerial vacancies and Rocco's name was attached to just about every single one of them. So there was something about him that seemed really appealing and and i've gotten to know him a little bit here at the different events we've done together and i I just think he checked all the boxes that that derek falvey and thad levine they were looking for in their manager Um, i I think he comes too from from an organization that is open-minded about uh, the nuances of the game today and i think he's up for the challenge i think that rocco is is, he's the youngest manager now in the game he's only 37 years old but I, I just think he's, he's open-minded to, to, to philosophy, to strategy, that uh, that'll be interesting to see develop as the season plays out. And he takes over a team that was, I know there were high expectations a year ago heading into the season. It did not pan out. First off, were you surprised that a managerial change happened at the end? A little bit. It, it, caught, it caught me off guard a little bit, um, just based on the fact that, you know, the year before, Paul Molitor was the American League Manager of the Year, and he signed a, a three-year contract. So I just, Paul never had his team. I just, that's what I went back and looked at. Now, some of that was performance, but some of that was also due to injury. You know, many of the reasons why the Twins were a playoff team in 2017, well, those guys, they weren't on the team in 2018. You know, Polanco, that was a self-induced penalty with a a PED suspension. And, you know, Byron Buxton's just horrible year when it came to injury. Uh, Miguel Sano's, you know, weight. Things that popped up that just nobody saw uh, happening. Irvin Santana's finger injury, that seemed to be more severe than we all thought in spring training last year. Irvin didn't come back until the second half of the season, and he wasn't very good upon his return. So I, I just think a lot of the, the, the things that went the Twins' way in 17 did not go their way in 2018. And some of that, too, was out of Paul's control just based on the weather. I mean, the weather was was horrendous. In April last year, even early May, where the Twins had so many cancellations and before the uh, the two teams played, the Twins and Tribe played down in San Juan. The Twins went six days without playing. They had those three games snowed out at Target Field against the White Sox. And when you haven't played for six days, the last guy you want to see is Corey Kluber, and that's who they saw, and they, they didn't do very well against him that night. 
So getting back to some of the players that you mentioned, two in particular, Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano. Uh, what are you hearing this offseason about how they are preparing for a new season and, and can they return to form and be factors again that, that could be a big key? Well, I, I find it interesting, and it's something that the Rocco is going to talk more about, I think, is, as you get closer to spring training and also opening days. He, as he reached out to his players and, and began to, to build and form relationships, many of those conversations happen over the phone. But he did make a few trips to visit with players, you know, face-to-face, and that happened with Buxton and Sano. So Rocco went down to Georgia to spend some time with Byron, also went down to the Dominican to spend some time with Miguel Sano. It's incumbent upon the Twins' success this year that those two guys are a part of it. If they're not, then are we looking at a 75-win team, or could it be a 90-win team? If it's a 90-win team, that means that Buxton is, is playing in a manner that he was playing at at the end of 2017. But also, Rosie, it also means that Miguel Sano is performing in a way that he was performing at the beginning of 2017. So it's a really good lineup. It's a really good lineup, and I think that's the strength of this team. There's a lot of home run power. They're going to strike out, but who doesn't in, in today's game? But I, but I believe the window is open to contend, but that, that window is only so wide if the kid in center is playing and the guy at third is playing up to his potential. Twins radio voice Corey Provis joining us, our Twins preview on this week's show. And, uh, Corey, some nice moves by the Twins in the offseason, potentially. Uh, you like what they've done, acquiring some some pretty good veteran players, a little thumb for that lineup? Yeah, I, I think it's it's similar to how they were, they were adding to their team a year ago. Not many, you know, long-term deals. These are, these are low-risk, you know, some high dollars, certainly Nelson Cruz's case, but these aren't, you haven't seen many lengthy, lengthy contracts handed out by the Twins when it comes to free agents. But, yeah, I, I think that this, they had boys at first with Maurer's retirement and, you know, Dozier no longer part of the team, and we knew that in July of last year. But how were they going to address second base? Well, you know, C.J. Crone coming off a big home run year with the Rays. He's going to be the everyday first baseman. And Jonathan Scope, who had an oblique injury all of last year that he never recovered from. And that was one of those injuries uh, that just he just could not get over. I think Jason Kipnis had something like that a couple of years ago where it just took him so long to, to heal and get over that injury. I think that's what Scope dealt with a lot last year. But he's not too far removed from putting up huge numbers, huge numbers with the Baltimore Orioles. So solidifying first and second base, that was high on, on, on the list for, for Derek and Thad to fix and fill, and they did that with those two guys. And then I think Nelson Cruz, even though he's a first-year twin, he just brings immediate credibility. He brings in leadership, and he, he fills a void because this, this is a Twins team that, that looks vastly different. I mean, the longest tenure Twins right now are Kyle Gibson and Trevor May. That just tells you how different the makeup of this Twins team is right now from just a few years ago. Corey Provis, let's let's finish on what what's Hammy's reaction if the Indians show up and there's a foot of snow on the ground for the opener on May uh, March 28th. Rosie, how come we weren't even here yesterday shoveling? We could have been here shoveling. Rosie, come on, we got a guy. Tito was out here. He was he could have been here shoveling. We all could have been out here shoveling, but no, you had to be in Minneapolis eating your juicy Lucy from the nook. Come on, Rosebud. <laughs> All right, my man. Thank you, as always. I will see you on uh, opening day. Have a great spring down in Florida.
Looking forward to our first mob scene of the year, Rosie. That's Corey Provis, one of the funny guys in baseball, and uh, we always look forward to our games with the Twins and a chance to catch up with Corey and uh, Dan Gladden, part of their radio team as well, and Chris Atterbury and all the guys on uh, Twins Radio. So it uh, won't be long now. The Indians opening the season in Minneapolis on March the 28th, believe it or not. Hopefully we get those games in. Scheduled to be a three-game series at Target Field. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in, and thanks to Anthony Alford for all of his help putting together our show as he does each week. Until next week, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Network.